Welcome to Central Coast Chat, the podcast all about what's happening in the Monterey County area. I'm your host, Angelica Cabral, a reporter and podcaster with the Salinas Californian, part of the USA Today slash Gannett Network. This week, I interviewed Lady Rangel, a communications specialist with the United Farm Workers Foundation, which is a nonprofit that empowers and advocates for immigrants, farm workers, and Latinos, and is the largest immigration legal services provider in rural California. So welcome. Can you tell me a little bit about yourself? Hi, yes. My name is Lady Rangel. I am the communications specialist for the UFW Foundation. We are a sister but separate organization to the United Farm Workers. And we are the largest immigration legal services provider in rural California. And then on top of that, we, of course, do a lot of advocacy work um, in the fight for farm worker rights. I am based out of the Coachella Valley, and I come from a family of farm workers, also uh, having labored in the fields myself to get, uh, to get through college. Um, and so now, you know, I, I'm, I'm very um, proud of being able to, to work alongside farm workers and, and be able to, to help empower them uh, so that we can continue uh, fighting for our rights. And can you tell me a little bit more about your own family's story of immigration? Yes, so my family uh, migrated from Mexico in 2004. And uh, we've always been a family of migrant farm workers. And so every summer from the Coachella Valley, we would follow the harvest to the Central Valley. Um, Oftentimes, my parents or my older brother would also uh, make the run all the way to the Salinas Valley um, and stay there for the last winter months um, until eventually, of course, that all, you know, the run came back to, to the Coachella Valley and we had to come back. Um, there was a summer when my parents working for the largest California table company, uh, grape table company, uh, we left in a labor camp um, somewhere in, in, in the Bakersfield area. Um, I don't remember much because I was only eight, nine years old when I was there, but all I could really remember is just sharing this tiny little room with my entire family of five, including myself, and not really having any beds um, besides with the company provided and there were just these steel beds that we had to sleep on every day and share with our entire family this one maybe like a queen size bed that we had um and you know the entire labor camp was built out of bricks and it was extremely cold at night and when it was you know when it was hot outside it was also extremely hot um and because I was so young back then, of course, I wouldn't go to the fields with my parents, but um, my brother would because he was already, you know, around 15, 16 years old. And so um, he would he would want to go to work with them so that he could also get some money and help support our family. Um, and one hot summer day, my brother got extremely ill with heat. He suffered from heat illness at work while laboring for this massive grape company. And back then uh, in those years, we still didn't have 
um, heat protections, the heat standards in California that we do now, thanks to the work that we did, we have done with the United Farm Workers and with the UFW Foundation. And so my brother, the, the, the supervisor that was um, responsible for the crew, my brother's crew, instead of paying attention and finding the proper medical assistance that my brother needed, simply told them to uh, just lay down, uh, let it pass, uh, you're gonna be fine. Um, I remember they they mentioned they put him inside the supervisor's truck. They had the AC running, and they expected that just with AC blasting on his face, his temperature, internal temperature, would cool down. Uh, but of course, that wasn't the case. And so, my brother came uh, back back home to the labor camp with us and he was extremely, extremely ill. He kept vomiting and he was passing out. Um, and so it was ultimately my dad who decided that this isn't right and that he needed to seek medical attention. Um, and so in the middle of the night, my dad decided to drive my brother to a hospital, not knowing a, a drop of English, not knowing what was going to happen, not knowing how costly or perhaps uh, really expecting that that it was going to be something that he wasn't going to be able to afford but he knew that it was more important to take my brother to the hospital and so he rushed him to the hospital my brother ended up uh, staying there for several weeks um, he really almost died from heat illness because the company the the supervisors didn't seek that proper medical help. And that's really where our activism with the United Farm Workers began. Uh, there was a UFW organizer who learned about what had happened to my brother and started coming to visit our family um, there in, in our hospital room. And he was ultimately the one who would translate and everything for us, who helped us with the doctors and the nurses um, and and since then, you know, my I, I've been really involved with with uh, the movement and and making sure that no more families have to go through that. Because at the time, although I didn't realize how severe the situation was, now I understand. And my family was lucky enough to not have to, you know, see my brother die. But many other families haven't been that lucky. And so, you know, now, thanks, thanks to the, the, the heat standard laws that we have, uh, we're able to, to make sure that uh, no more farm workers are dying in the fields for basic human rights, right? We're talking the, the main things that we needed in the fields that we won. Um, they're so basic. We're talking about fresh water. We're talking about clean restrooms. Uh, we're talking about rest, um, that means breaks, um, uh, that also includes breaks uh, more frequently when the temperatures are extreme. We know that heat um, in, in the Central Valley, right, where we were at in Bakersfield, and then, you know, as the years progress with climate change, it's getting worse and worse. Um, and it also means training, proper training, making sure that supervisors and crew leaders and the workers know that this is a possibility and that when you feel this the, the, the symptoms a certain way 
um, you should say something and something should be done. So it's very basic um, and, and it's something that so far, it's, it's, it, these protections are still lacking in most of the United States. Only three states in the nation have heat protective standards. That's California, uh, Washington State, Minnesota, and the U.S. Army also has heat protective standards. But it's a fight we've been on for, for a very long time, making sure that the rest of the nation has these rights. Um, and so really, uh, ever since that happened with my brother, I've been, you know, I grew up and I went to school for journalism, um, communications, and so shortly after graduating college, I decided that I wanted to to join the nonprofit world with the UFW Foundation and really just try to advocate more for for people like me, people like my parents, uh, farm workers. My parents are still farm workers. They do all sorts of vegetable work in the Coachella Valley. Well, thank you for sharing your story. Um, and can you tell me what are some issues that are happening you know, right now in regards to immigration or farm workers that the UFW is working on? Yes, so at the heart of the vulnerabilities um, that make farm workers so susceptible to abuse and labor violations um, and, and many other, uh, you know, of the reasons why they, they suffer is the lack of legalization, the lack of having papers and so whenever farm workers come to us, um, yes, we, you know, they're in need of different resources, different services, but ultimately what they come to us asking for is we want legalization. We want to be able to have our green card and work without the fear if, of not knowing if I will return home after going to work. Um, and, and that's ultimately our main, one of our main priorities, right, is making sure that we're carving the, the the roadmap to making sure that we win legalization for it. the nation's 2.4 million farm workers. Um, there, well, there's 2.4 million farm workers in the U.S., but half of those are undocumented. And so we want to make sure that all farm workers who have over and over again proven themselves worthy and, and, and have, who have earned um, legal legal status that we that we uh, ultimately achieve that, um, and of course that's something that could only be done with them. Um, last December uh, in 2019, we were uh, we took a really great step in in achieving that. Uh, that's uh, the a, a piece of bipartisan legislation called the Farm Workforce Modernization Act. Um, that gives farm workers and their immediate family members a pathway to citizenship was crafted after months of complex negotiations between lawmakers from both parties, the UFW Foundation, the United Farm Workers, Farm Worker Justice, and most of the nation's grower associations. And again, this was a bipartisan uh, compromise because we know that in order to create meaningful change and in order to preserve that change, compromise between growers and farm workers and Democrats and Republicans had to be made. And so with this bill, uh, more than 1 million farm workers who perform one of the toughest jobs producing our food uh, would, uh, 
would be relieved of their pervasive fear of of deportation and have the opportunity to work freely and travel and rejoin loved ones um, in their native countries um, without that that fear of uncertainty. Um, and what's really great about the the Farm Workforce Modernization Act is that it not only protects the worker, but it also gives uh, relief. It gives green cards to their immediate family. So that's their wife, their children, um, and you know, and that's very, very important to us because we know that there's a lot of mixed status families, and we need to keep families together. The House of Representatives passed the Farm Workforce Modernization Act on December 11th, 2019, with a vote of 260 um, against 165, and it included the support of 34 Republicans. Um, this is something that, of course. Uh, we haven't seen a lot of the times. We're very proud of the work we did for getting Republicans uh, also on the on the bill, um, and it really proves that both ends of the aisle are ready to come together to legalize our workforce. Without farm workers, there's no food, um, and so that's you know that that's a big part of of the work that we do. Um, and that we're going to continue doing. The Senate, on the other hand, didn't even bring the legislation up for, they didn't introduce it. Um, and of course, right, that has to do with Mitch McConnell and the Senate Republicans. Um, and so ultimately that was uh, on their end. Um, and so we think that now with the new Congress that we have, we have better prospects at finally getting this bipartisan piece of uh, agricultural immigration legislation bill passed in, in all uh, the entire process of, of Congress and ultimately getting it signed uh, by the president. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. For more of our coverage, check out our website, www.thecalifornian.com, and follow us on Twitter at SalNews. New episodes of our podcast go live on our website every Friday at 4 p.m., and you can also listen to us on iTunes. Just search Central Coast Chat.